Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. I have an interview to do today with a wonderful woman. Her name is Margaret Agard. Now, she is a popular podcast guest. She's an award-winning author and keynote speaker. Margaret invites audiences to consider if they might be running hard down the wrong path. She shares a simple daily process to get out from under overwhelming busyness and live a life of joy and true purpose by turning their to-do lists over to God or a higher power or spirit. At the time she started this practice, she was a single mother of eight, and she also was a stepmother to seven, and we will get back to that, don't you know? (laughs) She also was the sole financial support for her family and had returned to university full-time to finish the last few credits for her bachelor's degree in mathematics. She was sleeping less than four hours a night and often woke in panic, worrying about what was not getting done. Her previous practice of prioritizing and focusing on the, quote, most important, end quote, tasks was not working. Now, after turning her to-do list over to God or whoever you might be, might be spirit, inner voice, higher power. She got more done, more sleep, and had less stress. I am really, really interested in hearing Margaret's story and how all this came about. Margaret, welcome to Phoenix and Flame. Hi, Dana. I'm so happy to be here. been looking forward to this. I love the focus of your show. Yeah. It's a big... Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know we kind of get where we are through different twists and turns and your story is very compelling to me because anyone listening to that is going to think, Oh my gosh, how is she even sane? How did she even survive with all her arms and legs attached? So if you don't mind kind of take us back to that time of your life and what that was like for you. Okay. Well, now the seven stepchildren came later, but So I was at that point just had my eight and they were, the youngest was about 11 and the oldest was in college, but they were living at home. That's kind of how I helped them. And so I honestly, it it was just overwhelming. And I kept thinking, well, next year (laughs) it'll get better. You know, it didn't get better next year or when I finish this, it'll be better. It wasn't happening like that. And I just remember thinking, I, I don't know how long I can keep doing this. And mm-hmm. but the worst of it was that I would do things and it would turn out to be the thing I didn't need to do, except it looked like it did. For example, I would have a college paper due. Now, this was before the internet was really big. It was just starting. So you actually had to go to class and hand in the paper. And I would right. go, in, go to class and there would be a note on the door. The professor was sick. Don't worry about the paper till Friday. That's when someone will be here to collect them. That's the kind of thing that would happen. I'd go to a client and the client would be, oh, oh, we're completely changing that proposal. 
you know, so if you would just redo the whole proposal, but if, you know what, uh, I could have done other things with that three hours that I spent putting this proposal together. And that's when I started thinking, gosh, if I can only see the future, I would really know what needed to be done or what didn't need to be done. And I, I did have a relationship with God at that point, And I knew how to hear that still small voice, whatever you call it. And I thought, well, I know who does know the future. <laughs> and I'm going to start asking him <laughs> what do I really have to do today. And that was really how the prayer started. It would just take this big, long way to do this. Like, I don't know. And I'd be like, what do I really have to do today? Right. And so I could actually tune in to that thought that I knew as a God. And I could think, oh, I don't have to do this. I don't know why I don't have to do it. I just know I don't. And I don't have to do something else, whatever it was. And then often I would just add one simple thing. It might be call a neighbor or send someone a note. It was always something that had me reaching out in, in a helpful way to someone else. After just a couple of weeks of that, I was finished every night by eight. It was hard for me to give up working so hard. So initially I would, if I was done, I'd start looking for something else to do. <laughs> like we are, you know, like, oh yeah. my gosh, you know, like today you'd be on Pinterest. Well, I should make that, you know, instead of just, no, don't add anything. Just sit, have time with your kids, just relax. It's okay. And so it, it did take me a while. And the second thing I think that was hard was, <clears throat> did I really trust? Did I really trust this voice? Mm, maybe, maybe not. And so I had some interesting experiences with that, where I thought, oh, you're totally wrong here. Like once we had a, a business where we shipped product and, and I always had at the top of my list, do the orders. And so one day I looked at that and I was like, no, don't do the orders. And I thought, what do you mean don't do the orders? I mean, I get you're in heaven, but down here on earth, when we say we're going to ship next day, we ship the next day. Okay. I'm doing, it. I'm doing the order. Well, it turned out it was like a, a federal holiday, a Monday federal holiday. <laughs> and I really didn't, because the post office wasn't open. I really didn't have to do the orders. So it was those kinds of things that happened that I really began to trust that voice, whether it said do something or not do something. And that I didn't mm -hmm. have to do more than was on there. And as I would be leaving, you know, I lived in the D.C. area at that time, I would think, oh, my gosh, like we're stuck in traffic. And I began to say to myself when I was stuck in traffic, well, God, now I was going to get stuck in traffic. It'll work out like the other person. Maybe that person will be late too. just something. And it always did work out. And so that's when I gave up the stress. The stress just went away because I stopped working. I thought, well. If this is what I was supposed to do, then this is it. And I don't have to worry. Like, even if I'm running late or, you know, like, unless I'm not one of those people who's habitually late, I think the spirit would then have been saying, get out, get out, get out the door. But it wasn't, you know, I, so that's when I gave up the stress. I definitely was getting more sleep because I was finished every night by eight. Wow. And I stopped worrying. I never woke up in a panic anymore. Because I thought, well, it's covered. We've got it covered. Now, the joy. That was when my prayer changed. Okay, as I said, sometimes he would add something, like call, drop off something for someone. So when my prayer changed, 
is when I started saying, instead of what do I have to do today, it turned into, well, what do you want me to do today? And that point is when he, it was as I was giving him permission for me to become my best self because he was like, well, why don't you start doing this thing? I ended up um, having a, a blog before, before WordPress was even out, but it was on a site where everybody blogged. And, and I ended up with my first book as a result of that. It was like, I want you to make this a book. Everything was step by step until I look at my life today and I think, wow, this is not what was on my 20 year plan. It's not even close. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, I really Who knew? <laughs> I was like this. I once took, I mean, it sounds so stupid, but I once took a textiles class in college and it had to do with weaving. And I thought, I'm going to be so bored in this class because who wants to just sit, you know? Well, I turned out I loved it. And that's how I feel about my life. Who knew? Who knew I was going to love this? I love it. Yeah. Who knew? Now yeah. you you were in the you were an executive in the high tech industry. Yes. So yeah, and so that that's a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation and stuff going on in addition to everything else. I think a lot of listeners can relate to what your experience yeah. was. And and as a woman, so hopefully we've got women on here. One of the things I noticed about that, which was not unusual. Um, is that I couldn't rise as high as I wanted because I personally was limiting myself in my travel. I personally was saying, I'm not going to spend nights at, you know, now I forgot what you call them. But you know, when you go to a meeting where a bunch of people are getting together, like I was working in the contract. Like conferences and building. stuff. Yeah, yeah, conferences. I'm not going to go because my children needed me at home. And at that time, they had just written an article in the Washington Post where they were talking with the first women graduates of Harvard MBA. And they were saying the same thing. I hope my sister graduates have moved on or doing great, but I'm holding myself back right now because I have teenagers. And the only time I see them is mm -hmm. at night and I'm not traveling. And that's what I did thinking that when my youngest graduated, then I could move ahead really quickly. That was definitely on my 20 year plan, and it, <laughs> <laughs> which I, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. So yeah, yeah. It was interesting how there is a lot of pressure in any growth industry and I was in a growth industry. So yes. Anyone who's you know, you made about. a, you, you kind of made a point earlier about that sensation of kind of giving yourself permission to relax and not to be constantly busy. I think that is something that a lot of people can relate to for different reasons. You know, some people are, their ideas, They if they're not constantly busy, then they're not valuable. I've got exactly. to keep moving. I, I can't, if I sit down and enjoy a book or watch a, a, a nice show on Netflix or have a conversation with someone, then I'm lazy. I yes. have got to be pushing, 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 going, going, going. And then when you're used to going hundred miles an hour all the time, it's difficult to slow that back down. And being a psychotherapist, there are other people that go, go, go as a means of avoidance because they, they know as soon as they slow down, their thoughts and feelings are sitting there waiting on them and they don't want to feel their feelings or think those thoughts about the problems in their life. So they're just, they go mock two with their hair on fire as a means of avoidance. 
So it's like, it's interesting hearing you say that. It's, yes. Mm -hmm. Especially people who grew up in abusive or alcoholic homes or had sex abuse or things like that. That is one of their characteristics. They might not become addicted to drugs, but they can become addicted to work. Work, mm -hmm. work, work. For, and actually that did happen to me. There was a point where I felt like the spirit said, I want you to always keep your desk clear, like not have it piled with I, things I could do. And every time I got it completely clear, I felt sad. Because as you say, I had to How deal interesting. with whatever emotions I wasn't dealing with, I had to deal with. And so yeah. I, you know, I just wrote down all the things I was sad about and tried to work through that so I could have a clear desk. Because it's like you say, it's, and, you and what was interesting is as I got rid of that sadness, that the joy again was coming. Like it's there, but we're not feeling it. Yeah, it's like the joy is there, but we have so many layers of stuff on the top that we're not processing, we, we're not dealing with. So what I'm hearing you say is in that instance, you kind of leaned into the sadness, you kind of brought it to yourself and felt it and investigated it and examined it and thought about why do I feel sad? And you leaned into that as opposed to just junking up your desk again so you wouldn't have to think about feeling sad anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you went forward into a, into a good way, into a healthy way. Some other notes that I've written down here, because everything you've been saying has been so interesting, and I've just been kind of jotting some things down, As a, because I'm a Christian as well, and sometimes the idea that, you know, it's all going to work out, and, to, and allowing ourselves to step back and see the larger picture, because I think sometimes we get mired in the minutia. Mm-hmm. And we have some trust issues. We we don't really want to trust. It's more of a control thing. We want to be in control. We feel safe when we when we think we're in control, but it's sort of a delusion yeah. to think you're in control. And but we we think we're in control and that makes us feel safe. And so we get mired in the minutiae of that. But if we as a as Christians anyway, you can you have the the option of just leaving it trusting God that he does have a plan that his scripture says that he knew us before we were born. Right. And that there is a plan for our lives and that it's all going to work out for the good. So being able to step back and sort of see the larger picture. And I, I was kind of hearing you talk about that some when you were going through all these different things that you had to do and all these expectations that you were able to kind of step back and go, whoa, it's, it's going to be okay. I had a time in my life where I was really struggling financially. And, and this is relating to your question. And at some point, I God gave me like a 90-day program, which I did, but it included gratitude every day. Not like I think I'll think of gratitude, but I had to write someone a thank you letter every day. And so at the end of that time, I really got a sense of there's enough. And I also said like these words, like the earth is full. There's enough in despair. I'd look around and think, yeah, I mean, we leave food laying on the ground. People used to eat acorns. They don't anymore. Like we just leave it laying on the ground. And so as the same thing happened to me then when I started going through this and I'd be done at eight at night, it was like, there is a time when you have done enough. And so referring to the Christian, think of the creation account, right? Like God took six days, but at the end of every day, he still wasn't done. The project was not done. Okay, <laughs> he had done enough on day one that he stopped and said, "Okay, let's call it a day." 
And so that's what I could say at night. Oh, we're calling it a day. Like God said, do this. <laughs> and you're like, All right. And so, yes, I do think we do that. And I do think we, that I learned that there is enough when it comes to stuff. And there is enough when it comes to accomplishments. And when is enough? And the less, it kind of reminds me of a conversation I had with, with my kids when they were growing up and we were talking about financial like income versus outflow. Right. And I was saying, you don't have to worry as much about making more money if you limit your debt. Yes. It's just like, bring that down and then you don't have to be as concerned about everything else. So it's exactly. like, and, and something else, the, the worry you had mentioned, that's something I hear a lot from my patients. And it's what I end up talking a lot about is, is anxiety. And the Bible speaks in many, many ways about there is no, there's no reason to worry, but yet we have a hard time buying into that. What helped you the most in letting go? Because it seems like you had a lot that you could have been worried about and, and worry and anxiety is basically fear-based. We're afraid of something. We're afraid of some eventuality. We're, we're what if, what if, what if, what if, okay? People are eaten up with this what if business. So with you and your walk, how did you manage to, to deal with that sensation? Because with eight kids and you ha- you're a sole financial provider and you're trying to go back to school and at different times and all these things, plenty of things you could have been worried about and scared to death of. And you talked about waking up in panic, you know, and I think anyone listening and listening to your right. story would understand why you woke up in panic. What was most helpful to you in dealing with those what if scary thoughts? It really was. Well, there's, so there's two answers I think to that when it comes to what I've done, like, what could I do? Right. I already knew I was doing it because as I really began to trust that voice, this is all I need you to do. This is all you have to do today. Right. Then I knew I could trust that somehow it was all going to work out. I saw that happening. And the longer I did that practice, the more I saw it happen. That's how our faith grows, right? Like we try it and then it works. So we keep trying it. And eventually we just know, we know. And so I reached the point of just knowing. Now, I think the thing I worried most about as a mother was that I wasn't a very good parent. That's how I felt. Like somehow I had screwed my children up. You know, I was, a, I like to say I was a fix it mom. I was an oldest daughter, you know, from the time I was young, like at four or five, my mom would say the first five were the hardest. There were 11 of us because then she said the older ones could help. Well, guess who's the oldest. And so I was the oldest daughter, so I do have an older brother. But it was like from the time I was little, I heard, I thought I told you to watch him. Why did you let him do that? Right? You'd come in, something would happen. I thought I told you to watch him. Why did you let him do that? Until eventually I got that I was responsible for everybody else's life. And so Mm. you can imagine watching kids go through what kids go through. I was like, oh, my gosh. I was always looking for what was going wrong. Um, this is interesting because I'm now in my 70s and I just really got this. <laughs> Thank goodness. I lived long enough to get it. It was and it was my children who taught me because they're older now, too. And they said to me, Mom, you seem to think one son said to me that and I want to check. Do you think I would have turned out differently if you had been a better mom? I said, oh, absolutely. Like if maybe I'd had this conversation with you and he said, 
well, you didn't have that conversation with me, but other people did. And I still made the decision I did because I'm on my path. He said, I have a couple of kids. One hardly talks to me. One tells me everything. I give her all kinds of advice and she still does what she's going to do. And he said, I don't think you could have changed our path. And then another son said, he said, I don't like people who, who blame how they're acting now on what their parents did. He said, I'm where I am now. I know. And it's up to me to heal as you have nothing to do with this. And then a third son said, mom, I see you focusing on your healing. And the beauty of that is when you heal yourself, it helps other people heal themselves. Mm. So just stay there. And so my big worry as a mom was I have screwed this up. I have messed up my children. And now remember, you're still hearing that this fix it mom. Like when they were younger, I was like, I got to watch to make sure they don't do anything wrong. And now they're older. I'm still thinking that somehow they're, they need to be fixed. So I had to give that all up. Like, no, no, really. And God said to me one day, a few weeks ago, see, this is how new it is. You didn't break them. There are no broken people. I, I work a lot with abused women where I am. And I think of them as broken. He said, they are not broken. People are not broken. They are wounded and only I can heal them. But he said, everyone has strengths. Everyone has a gift. I want you to just focus on their strengths and what gift they have to offer you. It's a privilege to work with these people. It's a privilege to have been the mother to your children. It was a privilege for you to be an oldest daughter. And I want you to just enjoy them and stop worrying about fixing them because nobody's broken. Oh, I love that so much. I mean, oh my gosh, as you were talking, so much is going through my mind. So they, they kind of come together because I'm thinking about, and you're going to kind of chuckle possibly, but I, I can't seem to get through an episode without talking about boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I'm known as the queen of boundaries and I, it's, it's funny anymore. It's just funny. And people kind of chuckle about it, but I, I hear it when people are talking, I hear the boundary issues. Yeah. And so the first thing I wanted to point out was when you made the comment about, you know, when you can take care of yourself, that's the biggest gift. When your, 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 your son said to you, when you, I see you taking care of yourself and that's, the gift to me, because then that's, I can see you're doing that and I can do that. And it's, you know, there's one person on this planet who has been given the responsibility of keeping us together. That's us. That's us. Right. And so when we keep our wheels on, when we self-soothe, when we take care of ourselves, when we nurture ourselves and we accept our feelings and our thoughts and take responsibility for those things, then we can take care of other people but we have to take care of ourselves first. It kind of reminds me of that analogy of, um, of a flight attendant on a plane. And she's talking about if there's a lot of turbulence and the oxygen mask drop from the overhead compartment, if you happen to be traveling with a child, then you put that mask on yourself first, which right. when I first heard that, I thought, isn't that strange? Wouldn't we just normally put it on the child? No, because if something happens to you, the child has no prayer. And so that's going through life, focusing on keeping ourselves together so that we can in turn help others. And that's kind of what I was hearing you say. 
and the whole fixing other people as well can be, you know, a boundary issue that I hear lots of people struggle with and, and trying to figure out how much belongs to me to be responsible for. That's kind of what I was hearing you say when you were talking about your adult children and wondering if as a mother, you maybe want to, and I think us as moms, I have three adult kids, my own, and there's not a mother out there. I wouldn't imagine that hasn't had that thought. Right. And it's just trying to figure out, you know, how much am I responsible for and how much am I not? And And, that's important. That that guilt feeling. It was, it was so good to give up the guilt because uh, years before that I'd had a similar, it was similar, but different thought when I was saying to Heavenly Father, fuck, you know, like if they'd had a better mom, that's what I would say. Now let me tell you about my eight children. Six have master's degrees. They all have good jobs. They're all in stable marriages. Nobody's struggling. Nobody's addicted to drugs. And I can still see problems, you know, like, oh my gosh, get over it. So he said, God said to me, Margaret, you were the perfect mother for these children. And I know I'm like, well, I'm not perfect. He said, no, I didn't say that. What I said was the experiences they needed here on earth, as you referred to, like, you know, he knew us before we came here, were the ones they needed to grow spiritually. You, even your faults were perfect for what they needed, which is what I hear my adult children saying to me. I am taking from my childhood what I need to, to grow myself. I'm not blaming you. I'm not saying you did it wrong. So I think it's good as mothers to hear that because mm-hmm. none of us are perfect. And we do. No, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. I love the acceptance. You know, it's just learning to accept ourselves, to accept ourselves, faults and all, foibles and all, just accept. Not that we can't work on something if we want to, but just learning to be accepting and not judging of ourselves or other people and right. just being where you are and accepting where you are and thinking that, you know, we're not in charge. God's in charge. And we don't, thank God, we don't have to be God. You know, that's above our pay pay grade. Pay grade you know, it's just like, right. we, don't, we don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. Before, we, we have a few more minutes, thankfully. And I I wanted to make sure that we spent some time on how to know what that voice is, because I heard you talk about it earlier and I'm going to ask you to add more to that. And I have a a brief story of my own because I think that's a lot of what you're saying is, you know, you, you step back and you hear that inner voice that you have to be quiet. You know, there's a scripture that says, be still and know that I'm God. That requires some stillness. It requires some listening. Well, when I was in high school, I was uh, home from a uh, band camp at, I was eating lunch. I was at my, my boyfriend later turned out to be my husband, <laughs> but it was my boyfriend's house. And this thought kept coming to me, call your dad. Well, I thought that was pretty stupid because I, first of all, I'm not someone that I'm not a chit chatty person. If I call you, there's a reason. I'm not someone that's going to be like, hey, what's going on? No, I've got things to do, you know? So if I call somebody, there's a reason. I had no reason to call my dad. I mean, why? So I ignored that, that thought. Well, and I started to make my sandwich. Well, a few minutes later, the thought came again, except it felt a little bit stronger. It's like, call your dad. And I'm like, and I'm having this internal, you know, monologue in my head going, 
that is so ridiculous. Why in the world would I want to call my dad? This is stupid. And so I ignored it again. I'm telling you something. This went on for about 20 minutes. I'm trying to make my sandwich, you know, (laughs) until at the very end, I was so annoyed with this voice that would not shut up, would not leave me alone, that I literally stomped over to the phone. I picked up the phone. That was before cell phones. I picked up the phone. I'm walking down the hallway away from everybody else because I'm embarrassed. I'm getting ready to call someone and I don't even know what I'm going to say. I'm going to call someone and I'm like, uh, what am I going to say? Oh, I heard this, this voice that said to call you. What am I? I, di- I didn't even know what I was going to say. So I am so mad by this point. I'm pounding the, the, the buttons on the phone to, to, to his, to his, um, to the phone for my dad. I'm sh- pounding them on the phone. I'm mad. I go in this room. I close the door and whatever happened in that room, I have no memory. I have no memory of talking to him. I have no memory of him answering the phone. All I remember is walking back down the hall. I find out later that at that moment, because my dad had lost his job and he was looking at, he was applying for various different jobs and he was getting turned down. He was older. They were hiring younger people with advanced degrees. And at that moment in time, he was sitting at the kitchen table about to turn his back on God. And then I called and it wasn't me speaking, but that was an example for me that that happened. The spirit moved through me and spoke to my dad through me in a conversation that I have no memory of, but it prevented my dad from turning his back on God. And for me, that was an example of when I have those thoughts, sometimes I ignore them and I wait to see, do they press on? Do, does the Holy Spirit keep pushing me? Cause I know what that pushing feels like, right. or does it just go away? You know? Right. So that was an ex- personal experience of my own, but I was really curious about you and your walk and how you decide, you know, when you're in that moment and maybe someone to your point is like overwhelmed with work and they have all these things to do and they're just ass over elbows and all this, all this stuff, all these to-do lists and they just can't find their way out of this forest of work and, and to do's, how would you suggest that they differentiate between just some kind of random thought of their own, some wishful thinking of their own versus a voice from, from God or, or the higher power of, or some sort. So it is true that by the time I was doing this, I had been training myself to look, to discern God's, voice which is actually just a thought in your head right it's not like a voice from my just my thoughts and so and i had very similar experience to you but i had specifically said to god i need to learn how to hear your voice i don't know how to hear it i don't know what that still small voice sounds like and i had this multiple experiences where i would have a thought i would blow it off it would come back And it would sort of answer what I was thinking, like, what am I supposed to say or whatever it was? Like, I'd be thinking, why would I? And I would have another thought. And about the third, the third time it comes back, like you said, you sort of put it off and wait to see if it comes back. Then I think, oh, that's God. This is God. And more than once, people have said, I was praying about that. That thing you just did, I was praying about. And so Mm. I, now I spent 20 years honing that skill. But I would say the first step would simply be to ask God to help you learn to hear it. So you will. And it 
there is a sense of calmness and peace that comes unless there's something that I would say sometimes the exact opposite happens. I feel like I have to do this. It feels very like you've got mm-hmm. to do this. And so, mm-hmm. and so I could, I knew how to do that. That's all I can say. You, you need to first learn to hear the voice. And if you don't know yet, you can ask and he'll help you learn how to hear that voice. But often it's a thought that keeps coming back that it'll just come back. And so I could take my list. This looks like I, I don't so much make to-do lists now as I organize things. Like what order am I going to do? Like I have a big project and what are the 10 steps, right? And so I could just really just look down at it and have a thought. And the thought would be, don't worry, like that. And, and so I had mm-hmm. to test it. I did test it. Like I'm going to go with it. And I think we would know the difference. That's what I would say, like you. Like, is this God or my ADHD speaking? You know, like, er. so yeah, <laughs> what's going on here? And and it's okay to ask that question. And the second thing is, once I did learn to hear it, I just began to really pay attention and pay attention to how I felt when it was when I was hearing it, pay attention to whatever else was going on in my body when I learned to hear it. So I think those things are important, but the fact that it will repeat itself is, I think, also important. That if you if you're arguing yourself yourself, like when I say to myself, you know, I think I'm going to have a candy bar, I, and some part of me says, yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think I am. I just eat it, right? So I don't argue with myself very much about things like that. But if the thought is a good thought, it keeps coming back, and I keep arguing with it, that's like, oh wait, wait, you know, this this has to be God. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and I wanted to point out being a psychotherapist that, and you said you work with, with women with, you know, issues too, with abuse issues. If there's someone out there listening and you're listening to us talk and you're thinking, I, I'm having trouble understanding how I'm going to differentiate the voice from a higher power, voice from God, whatever, from all these other things that are pressing on me that are dysfunctional and, and really wound-based and trauma-based. I would suggest that you seek out a therapist and go to a therapist and work out a lot of the stuff that's left over, a lot of the wounding, a lot of the trauma-based thoughts and feelings and behaviors that you have so you can heal those and get those moved off your plate so then your, your mind is more and your soul can be more attuned to spiritual things. It's hard to be attuned to spiritual things when you're, you're struggling to survive. When you're, when you're so full of whether you're currently in a traumatic situation or you have a PTSD situation where it just keeps running through your mind and you keep getting triggered over and over and over again, it's hard to feel like you're in survival mode and also to feel like you're attuned to spiritual things. So seek out a therapist if, if you feel like you're in that situation that I think that would be helpful to do. I, I agree. Now, many of the people I work with, some are on disability and they, they actually are able to get therapy at no charge, but some are not. And so one of the things we, my husband and I go to because of his background is um, adult children of alcoholics. I think it's just called adultchildren.org. And it has taken us through many steps, healing steps. And also I have found that with when I am rethinking something and it keeps coming up and it's still painful to me, I have a little book. I don't always have time to work on it. So I'll just make a little note of this. And then I find time to just sit with that and ask God to help me understand it and to help me with healing. 
And so whether it's something I'm feeling guilty about or something I'm feeling shame about or something that I felt someone really hurt me and I don't know how to forgive them, I it's a thick book. It, you know, I can sit with that. And as as I I do have healing over many things, and the more healing I got, it's more what you said, I'm more open then to enjoying my life and more open to feeling the spirit. I have less trauma and drama in my life. I like that. Less trauma and drama. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Margaret, I so appreciate your time and you sharing the, your experiences and the wisdom that you've gained and your journey. I know that my listeners are going to so benefit from this, but I'm really curious. I'm wanting to share with them how they can get more of you. If they want to know more about you, if they want to maybe get access to your books or you have some memoirs out, where do you want them to go? I, I would go to inhisfootsteps.com. So inhisfootsteps.com um, is actually easier to find than margaretagard.com because you have to know how to spell Margaret. Most people don't. So, um, um, but it has my books there. It has my social media. It has some um, YouTube videos that I have put together. It uh, also has a small newsletter, little tiny pop-up off in the corner. I'm old. I'm tired. I send it once a month. You're not going to get spammed. <laughs> That's it. It <laughs> doesn't take a lot of reading to get through it. But I usually try to share some kind of story about what had happened recently and what I learned from it. And, you know, so I've shared some of these things today that are, would be in those newsletters and those books. I do have three, two books out and one third book I'm working on. And so the first one is I gave my to-do list to God, got more done, more sleep and less stress. And it shares a lot of what happened and what I learned around doing it, how I built that faith that it actually works. Wonderful. That sounds like some really, really good resource material for my listeners. I appreciate you sharing that so much. Well, guys, I'm saying I know that you have heard wonderful things today and you might be thinking, you know, I have a friend or I have a relative or I have a coworker that should really, really listen to what Margaret has to say, then share the podcast with them take you know you can copy and paste the link in your in texting and email you can put it on your most popular social media sites share it out there with other people let's grow our phoenix and flame community so we can come together in acceptance and know we're all on this journey together and we're all helping one another i hope you have a absolute wonderful rest of your day this is dana on phoenix and flame <music>